podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So in, it is 87. Every podcast, I sit here and go, what episode is it? 87, 86, 87, 87. It was when Xanon was born. That's how I know it was 87. That's it, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> you've, seen, you've seen his Instagram page, just... Yeah, I, yeah, he's a punk. He's it's a an absolute... His DMs, oh my God, like, I've been told that he, he has to pay somebody to manage his DMs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, my, my DMs are, are sort of shiny, sort of black leather. Um, that's about as much DMs as I get, mate, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 yeah, it brings a new angle to taste the leather, doesn't it? It's, you don't think <laughs> and it's episode 87 of Below yeah. the Belt, and we are joined uh, in association with Boxing Social. Doesn't that sound sexy? Uh, and we are joined today by uh, esteemed writers, uh, Paul Zanon. Uh, he's almost a regular now, Paul. And today, Sean Brown. How are you, gentlemen? All good, Cal. Yourself, mate? Yeah, man. Wonderful. And Sean, how are you, sir? Welcome. Very well. Thanks for having me. Um, yep, yeah, fine. Let's crack on. Yeah, absolutely. Let's crack on then. So what we used to do when we had when we have new people on the podcast, we always used to like introduce them to the audience. Yeah. And so one of the things that we would do is kind of um, ask about what got you into boxing. So what I'm going to ask you, Sean, is as you're the newer one, if you yeah. like, uh, what's your favourite fight to watch on repeat? Hagler Hearns. Hagler Hearns, yes. I know. I know it's it's quite an obvious one to many, but. I was um, not raised on that era, but my dad would talk about that era a lot. So when I was about eight or nine, ten years old, I would often hear the names of Roberto Duran, Thomas Hearns, Marvin Hagler, Sugar Ray Leonard, and obviously Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. And names like that, when you're that age, they stick out because they're not your typical names that you hear every day so back then I was into football obviously you know and it was uh, you know Rangers and Celtic and things like that you know not not basic stuff but you know nothing standoutish a name like Marvin Hagler who's actually called Marvelous mm. Roberto Hands of Stone Duran I'm thinking who are these men they just sound like superheroes um, so I was raised on that. Um, I didn't actually get to see it till I was about a teenager anyway. Right. But that is the fight that I can watch on repeat for two reasons. One, it's never boring, obviously. Yeah. Even though uh, you know what's going to happen. Two, it's quick as mm-hmm. well. Um, and three, just... <laughs> You're just sucked in by what you're watching because you're seeing these two men, one who who says things like, if you cut my head open, you will find a boxing glove inside it. And you've got a guy called Thomas Hearns who was known as 
the Hitman or the Motor City Cobra. I just find things like that sexy. You know, I do honestly. You just, you just, you just seduced into all that. And you know, Las Vegas, the famous people that were there, and they just went hell for leather. I mean, I mean, they did some things in it that were obviously right from a technical standpoint, but it was a war. Um, and yeah, that's the fight that I can just watch on repeat on loop. That and probably anything featuring Arturo Gatti. Mm, okay. For obvious reasons, because again, rarely dull. It's it's amazing. I the thing that kind of strikes me about Thomas was in like two absolutely classic fights before yeah. he was like twenty seven. Yeah, like he was so. I think he was 22 when he fought Ray Leonard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think he was 26, 27 when he fought um, Marvin Hagler. It's just we talk now about fighters now. It's like, oh, they're not ready. They're not ready. They're not ready. And it's like Tommy Hearns was 22 when he yeah. fought Ray Leonard. It's yeah. just it's they were something special. Those four fighters. And uh, I saw. I don't know if you guys saw recently that uh, Brian Dugan's written a, a new book about. Yeah. Um, Hagler Leonard. Yes. Um, yeah. That's going to be quite the read. So I'm going to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah every, everybody's got their pre-orders in for that one. I see we can get Brian on the podcast. That'd be great. What about you, Paul? What's your kind of like go-to fight where you'd watch every single like you could watch a hundred times that you've watched the most? It's, it's surprise you. It's um, Marco Antonio Barrera against Eric Morales, <laughs> number one. Um, I, I was dead chuffed the other day when I uh, I made a comment about um, Eric Morales and. Um, and he liked it. I, I had to do a screenshot of it. I was that chuffed. Um, <laughs> but, um, uh, in terms of other fights, uh, I mean, I, I could pretty much go through sort of various eras and pick one from them because, you know, as boxing enthusiasts that we all we all are, um, you know, I, I noticed that Cal's wearing a, a fantastic Jack Johnson hoodie there, and I'm guessing it's to do with the Galveston Giant as opposed to the singer. And um, you know, I, I, I could think of Jack Johnson fights, uh, Jack Dempsey when he won the title in 1919. Absolutely. I mean, that was almost the heavyweight version of Hagler Hearns to an extent. Maybe not uh, in terms of the return that um, that Dempsey was getting versus sort of Hagler Hearns, where it was literally sort of you didn't know who was going to win it at one point. But Dempsey went in there with a, a much bigger guy and was wiping the teeth off his uh, off his glove at one point, and it, it was you know sort of pure chaos. Two three rounds there. Um, every era you could you can go through. Joe Lewis going through etc cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, agreeing with what Sean said, anything. That was in what was fantastic it, it was a great weight a great division a great era so um yeah boxing it's uh it, it, it's it's very wholesome it can uh it can pull you in in so many directions and there's so many different fights fighters and eras that um you can suddenly just switch to so you know what tonight i fancy a bit of this yeah. and uh um, and, and, and uh, so yeah but yeah my, my go-to fight would be morales Pereira, number one it's a cracker yeah, and we did the special podcast on that one, Paul, if uh, the, the people at home haven't listened to it. Yeah, it's one, it's it's what I like to call timeless material. You can always go back and watch the fight, but you can also go back and listen to the podcast anytime you like because it doesn't age. Um, so mine is, for anyone that's interested, is Lennox Lewis against Haseem Rackman 2, which was the anniversary yes. of yesterday. Um, I'm a Lennox Lewis super fan. Actually yeah. love him. 
Um, there's a new documentary out about him, which, yeah, there is. Uh, yep. Yep. which I'm looking forward. I know Boxing Social have covered that. Um, yep. I've done a, done a review. I think it, Terry Dooley's written something on that, yep. which will be really I, in. I did a review for it as well. Oh, um, did you? I, I did, yeah, for Pro Boxing fan. Definitely, definitely worth a look. I um I won't sort of, you know give you too much. You obviously know quite a lot about um about Lewis, but it, the the thing about having a documentary is the opportunity to shine a torch into a few previously sort of unknown corners, and and it, and it certainly does that. Um, but Lewis comes across as a man of integrity. Um, he's got some great people involved in it. You've got Dr. Dre um doing the uh um uh, what do you call it the narration. You know, Dr. Dre's got one of those voices. He's not. Morgan Freeman, there's only one Morgan Freeman, and Morgan Freeman can talk about the mating habit of a ladybird and make it sound like, um, yeah, crikey, back to the future, you know, he doesn't matter what he's talking about, but, but without a doubt, um, Dr. Dre does a great job in narration there, and um, yeah, you get to relive some of those finer moments, and the Rackman fight at uh, number two, uh, I always remember um, he did that three-quarter length left hook and then threw the right hand over the top, and I'll never forget, apart from when Rackman's head dropped on the canvas, he had the Don King emblem over his head. But it was the um, the cheek of, um, of Rackman. Lewis did that little twist of the glove at the end as he hit him, and it split open the cheekbone. I can't think of any other fighter that split open a cheekbone of uh, with one punch. Um, and Lennox Lewis had enough power in there to be able to do that, to split the cheekbone open of, a, of an elephant that night. There was nothing that was going to stop him. We had uh, uh, he had quite bad scar tissue on his face, didn't he, Hassim Ratman? I think he had a, yeah. survived a car crash in his yeah. younger days, and perhaps perhaps that's why it split open like that. But still, Lennox Lewis had ridiculous power um, and um, underrated he, at times too. I thought underrated at times, and I, I remember I remember feeling quite surprised when when Boxing News rated him. I think they had him at number two as their greatest heavyweights ever. They did one of their bookazines, right? Okay. Uh, yeah, and uh, I don't know if I've I don't know if I've got it here. I think I left it at work. Um, but they on one of their bookazines, it was like top 100 heavyweights, and I think they had Lennox Lewis number two or maybe number three. It might have been Ali Lewis and then and then Lennox Lewis. Um, I can't remember, but I think I remember being surprised how high they had them. Is the point? Yeah. The point I'm making because he is one of those that's always kind of underrated. Um, and you know, at the same time, me personally, I, I've always found Mike Tyson to be overrated. Um, mm. For me, he's always been a TV fighter. I've never really looked at him as much greater than that, really. Um, what's what was Sean the first fight you saw in the flesh? In the flesh, as not in, in a car park in a box. <laughs> in a car park, there's been a few. Um, <laughs> in the flesh, um, I've mentioned this before, but it's quite a unique one. Um, uh-huh. I didn't get to my first fight until I started doing reports for. Boxing news. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember what age I was. I was in my twenties anyway. And um, what was I? No, I'd be in my thirties actually. Sorry. Um, and it was a fight that took place in a theatre mm-hmm. in Glasgow. It was a Scottish welterweight or light middleweight title fight between Gary McMillan and Gary Young, promoted by Alex Morrison. And the venue itself basically was used for things like pantomimes. So you would have there Aladdin, Snow White, Jack and the Beanstalk and things like that. Not boxing. To to my knowledge, I don't know how many events or shows were held there in the past. But the ring itself was actually on the stage. 
and the fans were in the seats as if they were watching, you know, Jack and the Beanstalk or whatever. Um, and the media were on the stage as well. Um, and that was the first time that I'd met um, Alex Morrison. And I've never felt a handshake in my life quite like it. Um, I mean, to him, it would be quite gentle, but his hand his hand was flat, no knuckles. He introduced himself, shook my hand, and I walked away with that hand in my pocket, trying not to cry. Um, <laughs> sat down and watched a quite enthralling night of fights um the main event was had some had to uh, some bad blood um there had been things said back and forth i think one of the fighters got cut early and it was just a really surreal unique night um i've been to fight since obviously in established venues but that's the only time I've ever been to a, a show in a theatre that really was held for things like magic and pantomimes. Quite surreal. <laughs> that's brought me back to when I was a kid and my mum took me to the local theatre. It's the Beck Theatre in Hayes. It's semi-famous. And it was to watch wrestling and it was very similar to that. The ring was on the stage and the main event, do you know who was in the Bushwhackers. It was, a, it was, it was a great thrill. It really was. They came, come, yeah, that was it. Sean's doing it. They all kind of, they, they, they came in doing that towards the ring, and it was like, oh my god, we're actually watching wrestling. Um, I, my, my first fight was Price Fighter Two, Cruiserweights. Oville McKenzie won. I was caught. I was caught too. Not Price Fighter Two. I was caught too. Uh, what was yours, Paul? What was the first fight you saw in the flesh? Well, funny enough, um, I, I was actually at that same cruiserweight one as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't, I don't remember you there, Cal. Um, you, you obviously didn't do your streak that night, you know. So otherwise, I would, I would remember it. But um, I was but ringside no, I think... as well. I was only a couple of rows behind Barry Hearn. Oh, uh, okay. I was. I, I've got photos where I think, um, uh, as as was then, Frank Maloney was sitting in in the front seat, and I was about six rows back, I think. So um, yeah, that first so. I um I used to live near to Brentford Leisure Centre and they'd always have uh, live boxing shows there and um to be honest I, I couldn't even tell you who was fighting they, they were really really bland and it was just always you're sort of sitting there with the smell of um uh the the chlorine from the pool next door <laughs> and they were always they were always really really sort of naff fights so for me the most memorable first um sort of live fight that I saw that I sort of put down as maybe my um my landmark first fight so to say was uh 2004 York Hall. Um, a mate of mine was uh, was fighting on the undercard, but it was the headliner was Keith Long against Matt Skelton, right. and um, and one of the other undercard people was um, uh, was Ross Minter, and uh, I'll always remember um, going to the pub across the road from New York Hall, and um, Alan Minter was in there um, having a beer, and I, I walked over and uh, I was like, oh my god, you know, it's Alan Minter, and you know, those are the days, sort of pre camera phones or whatever. And uh, because Ross won the fight uh, afterwards, I had my um, uh, what do you call it, my program in hand, and I went over to, to Alan. And I said, "Is there any chance you could uh, you could sign my program?" And I went, "Oh shit, I haven't got a pen." He went, "Don't worry, son." He's you know he, he's like he's like, "Don't worry, son. I've got a pen right here." And he came out with it and signed it. He went, "Then he boxed beautiful tonight." I went, "He certainly did, Alan." He went, "God bless, mate. See you later." And that was it. And it literally just sort of disappeared. So. Uh, yeah, I got to um, just off that sort of peripheral. I, I, I managed to interview um, Alan Minter last year and uh, 
we had a little chit chat about him and and, and Marvin Hagler. Um, and um, it was just great to hear him sort of walking down memory lane. It's uh, yeah, R.I.P. He was a good one. But yeah, that was my, my that was my first one that I'll put down. The other thing as well, I remember sitting directly in front of me was a former Page Three model, um, Joe Guest, and uh, I just remember thinking, bloody hell! I was like, woo! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at that point, Muhammad you know, Ali in there against George Foreman and Mike Tyson. I, I wouldn't have noticed a single thing. You know, I was, <laughs> yeah, just, she, she kind of she walked in a, a little bit late into the show and sat down, and she was getting a round of applause. And um, yeah, I think I joined in. Actually, so there we go. <laughs> All right, well, excellent, excellent stuff there, Paul. Uh, so I thought we kind of move on to kind of like the hot news of the day. Uh, which is that uh, I should announce the champion first, really, uh, which is Callum. Yeah. We have been told Chris Williamson was very firm about that on the Twitter yes. with you, uh, earlier on. The champion should always be announced first. I have to agree there. Um, so Callum Smith is to defend his WBA and Ring Magazine uh, titles against uh, Saul Canelo Alvarez. He's my pound for pound number one. I don't know about you guys. Uh, Paul, what's kind of your thoughts on that announcement and the fight itself? Oh, I'm delighted. Um, it's the fight everyone wants to see. I mean, you know, the uh, when the Yildrim sort of rumours started to uh, to crop up, I thought you've got to be kidding. So, you know, farm a month job here. So, um, and, and Callum Smith, you can tell, has been holding out for that big paycheck. Um, it's kind of like reminds me of when uh, Rocky Fielding won the title and then got the opportunity to fight for a million dollars. And uh, it's all about, you know, you're taking a, a lot of punches in the face and you're going up at top level. You want to get the big money. So for Callum Smith, he's been holding out, waiting for that big super fight to an extent so that he can have that legacy pot of cash for his family. Because otherwise he would have got in and fought against, uh, I don't know, a rematch against John Ryder or yeah. whoever. And may, maybe made a few hundred grand after taxes and whatever else, have enough to maybe buy a little flat investment or something. And you know, I don't get me wrong, you know, it would have been a nice six figure sum. But this, this is a defining fight. This is what will make him go to the gym every day. This is what will make him do three runs a day and the extra run on top of that. And uh, it's exactly what Callum Smith needs at this point. For Canelo, um, it's just about him, again, answering another question. Can he take on another one of the best? And uh, it's, it's a cracking fight. It really is. I mean, you, you start sort of doing comparisons and think to yourself, John Ryder caused Callum Smith a lot of problems. You know, some yeah. people believe that he even won the fight. And that's because he fights out of that crouch. And um, uh, he, he's, he's southpaw, isn't he? Uh, memory serves me, John Ryder. Um, so he, he makes things very awkward, and um, he can he can count well. Um, he can he can come on the attack, and uh, and that's kind of similar to uh, to Canelo as well. He, he he can do sort of both of those sort of uh, forms of fighting. So um, I think it's it's going to be uh, a very interesting fight. I I, I really do. Um, you've got someone who has got got to be near on what five six inch. Um, yeah. height and reach advantage packs a lot of power um, but has not been in with anyone vaguely close to uh, a seasoned um, as Canelo so the only, only thing I haven't found like, yet or maybe it hasn't been announced is um, where's it going to take place I'm guessing stateside it's in Texas yeah but Texas. as to where yeah I don't think it's been announced but I would imagine they might be going for the same venue as Santa Cruz against Davis from a couple of weeks back. 
so they can get yeah. some fans in. Mm. I would assume so, anyway. I would hope yeah. so. Right. Yeah, you're absolutely uh, right. It does. Well, yeah. I, I cannot wait. I, th- I think that, that's the fight. I mean, to be honest, the fight that I'm waiting to see at the moment, I've been waiting for it for a while. Again, will come no surprise, is uh, Dubois versus yeah. Joyce. So I cannot wait to see that. But that uh, after that, this is the fight I'm looking forward to see. It's a cracking end of the year, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Six days before Christmas. Oh, my God. And Lovely then present. It's just. The, the the run the run into into the new year in terms of you know in terms of the fights that are coming obviously we've got Conor Ben this weekend um, we've got um, Dubois and Joyce in a week and a half's time you know after that we've got um, Brian got well Brian Garcia Luke Campbell's moved to Boxing Day now um, apparently yeah yeah Not that's what moved to Boxing Day now Billy Joe Saunders against Mike Murray and yeah there's just you know, there's Joshua and Pulev. Like, there's so many good fights coming up to up, up to the new year. It really is. Um, yeah, it's 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 good that they've packed so much in. What are kind of your initial thoughts on the on the uh, Smith Canelo fight, Sean? I was happy. Um, also relieved that it wasn't Avni Yildirim. Um, because yeah, yeah. as Paul said, I mean, it's, that's just pointless. Um, but getting away from that. I like fights where, where there's a lot of questions to be answered, and there is in this fight. I know that the backlash overnight has been based on Smith's performance against John Ryder, which is fair enough. But you can't tell me that he's going to show up and perform like that again against, for many, the best fighter on the planet. Everyone is allowed a bad night at the office. Smith's had a few. But as Paul said, his motivation levels will be through the roof for this. Because what lies at the end of it is superstardom, pound for pound rankings, um, loads more money, um, more credibility, just everything. I like the fact that it's a fight where we're seeing Canelo go up against someone who is a fully fledged super middle, arguably could campaign at light heavy, has got that jab, has got the reach, has got the height, the power, um, has got a good boxing brain, puts his shots together well. Um, I don't think he'll be overawed by the experience. Um and I just think it's a fight where I know that Canelo is about, I think he's about 7-2 on, I think was the odds that I saw, which makes him a long favourite. But to coin the phrase, Smith is a very live dog in this fight. Um, I would still tip Canelo to win, but I don't think it's as straightforward as many people are thinking. And if they are just basing it on one performance... That is extremely unfair on Smith, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. I, I think if you're if you're looking to match Canelo with someone between 160 and 175, outside of uh, Artur Beterbiev, yeah, you would probably say next best is Callum Smith. Uh, Golovkin, that stuff's been done to death. Um, 
Bivol would be in the, in the frame. Bivol would be up there. As, I, I think Canelo would handle Bivol comfortably. Um, but well, dare I um, dare I throw in there someone that I've said for a while that I th- still believe we could beat him if he's. Uh, if Go he's on, I know what you're going to say. Go on, have your fun. Billy Saunders. <laughs> yeah. I if he behaves himself, stays away from the Mackies, and uh, lives a life when he's on his day. With the right footwork and uh, and, and movement, etc., he would drive Canelo up the wall, and I think he would do the same with Golovkin as well. He would he'd be a ghost in there, and he'd be peppering and moving around, and that's it. He'd never try to win by a knockout, um, but in the same breath, because he's able to compute knowledge very quickly. It's like when he was fighting with Andy Lee. He did some beautiful counters there, which sort of put Andy on his backside. And Andy's a very good fighter, he's a very intelligent fighter. So, um, yeah, I, and, and you've got to remember that Golovkin and Canelo, they've got cement feet, you know, they're very clever cement feet and very clever boxing brains, but they're not light on their feet. So, yeah, my, my wild card to who, who would win would be Billy Joe Saunders. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. Let's move on to, let's move on to that. Because uh, Billy Joe Saunders is, is fighting Martin Murray, who's 38 has never done anything at super middleweight, hasn't won a fight of note in in three years. What was it? Gabe Rosado was the last time he beat somebody that, that, that you know, that some most of us would have heard of. Um, you know, you, you tooted the horn for Billy Joe there, Paul. So tell us what the fuck. <laughs> well, I've got, what? you know, I, I obviously wrote Martin Murray's autobiography, so I, I'm going to yeah. say that he's going to go in there and do a fantastic. One thing I do know about Martin is that um, it's his last chance alone, and I think he's going to have a, a melting pot of things going through his head at the moment, which is everybody knows that he's the massive underdog. Everybody knows that um, you know they're saying that his his best was a few years ago, and he knows himself obviously as well that. That physically and whatever else, and as, as we age, all these different things would have been ideal to have had it a few years ago, which obviously it was supposed to be. But but even like going back, say 2013, which was probably his best performance ever when he fought against Martinez and didn't get the decision. Yeah. So that was when he was what 31, and he you know he did absolutely he was faultless sort of in that. Um, Billy Joe Sons, I don't think we'll be able to stop Martin. Um, because he's as hard as hell, with the exception of uh, of Golovkin. He's never been stopped, and he went 11 rounds at the time. He was the first person to go 11 rounds. But I, I think this is almost um, a bit of a bit of a case of uh, Billy Joe maybe feeling he wants to close the chapter of what was never sort of fully closed in terms of Martin saying, you know, you bottled it, um, you know, you, you, you fucked me again here. It's, it's the second time you, you've pulled out and, uh, and then he ends up by having sort of other fights against. I mean, you've got to remember the last bloke that Billy Joe Saunders fought against was um, was far f- from Stella. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Martin could have easily have fought him then. So, um, so yeah, so I think it's, it, it's, it's, it's maybe not so much a case of um, uh, who... Uh, Martin's facing. It's more a case of who Billy Joe is facing. And um, on this occasion, I'd probably say that Martin's a better opponent than his last one. And just expect Martin to leave absolutely everything in the ring here. He He's more comfortable at super middleweight. He was always kidding himself to make 11 stone six, although he would do it. But um, yeah, I, I'm going to, like I said, I've, I've got, I, I'm a good friend with Martin. So I'm always going to be very sort of a biased here. Uh, and, and, and I just hope that he's able to, to, to win the victory, you know? Absolutely. Any thoughts on the, on the 
Saunders and marry Sean? I've got a few thoughts. Um, <laughs> Go on, Sam. Uh, look, um, when Saunders fought and beat Lemieux, regardless of what was going on in terms of negotiations for the for future fights, mega fights, that was the time to strike because his popularity was through the roof because of the performance. And because of that that thing he did in the ring where Lemieux threw the punch and um, whatnot. Um, as a fight, that's what it is. It's a fight. Um, I can't really, you know, give it too much um, credibility. Um, yeah. I think Martin's been a great servant for the sport. He should have got the win against Martinez. Um, I think most would agree with that. Um, it's not his fault that he's been asked to fight Saunders. He's been asked to fight Billy Joe Saunders. Of course he's going to say yes. I just think it's another, not so much a black mark against Saunders' CV or uh, his um, his career. I just think it's, it's another sign that we're never going to, sees the very best of Billy Joe Saunders. I truly believe it's always going to be a case of what might have been. Now, he has beat some good fighters. But as Paul says, on his day, I think, too, that he's capable of giving the very, very best absolute kittens. But I'm beginning to think now that that boat has sailed. And it's been years now. And he's been in and out of so much stupidity. You know, with you know, even just things like the way what he's doing on online, what he got um, fined for by the board more than once, it's just a continuation. And I would assume or expect that surely when this fight was announced, he wasn't expecting a, a positive reaction because he's talked the talk for too long now about Triple G and and Canelo, and it's just never happened. Uh, um, to me, it's a fight. It's is it uh, is it worthy of a world title fight? No. Um, if it's a chance to get Saunders back to what he does best, uh, he's back working now with a Tibbs again, Mark Tibbs. Um, if it can set him straight for next year and he gets the big fights, great. But we just don't know, do we? Because next week, for all we know, Saunders could end up doing something daft. I just, he's, he, we just can't depend on him at all. And until he gets that big fight, until he performs in that big fight, I don't think many people will be interested in what he does or who he fights. Yeah. Here's um, a question, um, just I guess for, for everyone, is uh, so um, if if Billy Joe comes through and uh, retains his uh, his WBO title and uh, Canelo beats Smith, yeah. uh, and has got got a couple of straps. Um, I mean, I'm just thinking uh, when he beat Rocky Fielding, he picked up the WBA strap. Um, where did that go? Um, I'm I'm not sure. Does he still Regular hold that? Strap. Uh, Probably pissing in the wind. Yeah. yeah. So, 
So it, there, there's potential there to, for a bit of unification, but the, the issue is that Canelo, every fight Canelo's had, I think, in the last four or five has been at a different weight division. So yeah. it's um, you just kind of, you know, he, he's like a frog at the moment, jumping around on any pads. He's just not happy whichever one he's landing on, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. I, I think with the W the WBA regular belt, I think if, you know, that will disappear when, you know, if Canelo wins, then then I imagine that belt would, would kind of disappear. I think you're right. I think he has been jumping from division to division, from division to division. I don't see him at middleweight again, Canelo. I don't see, I don't no. think he's going back down there again. It's super middle or it's, or it's light heavy now. Um, I think super middle is where he's going to stick around. He's made himself a free agent, you know, through the courts, which is, he's got rid of, you know, kind of, uh, he's got rid of Oscar De La Hoya. He's left Golden Boy. He's a free agent now. So he could go and fight Caleb Plant on PBC. He could fight David Benavidez, which would be, yep. ima- imagine that on Mexican Independence Day. <laughs> you know, oh my God, the scenes. God, yeah, that would, <laughs> that, that, that would kick fight. off in the, in the stands as well. That would be yeah. great. Yeah. You know, um, that really, so Canelo's, you know, got the world in front of him now. Um, early predictions for Canelo Smith. Let's go early, and then I uh, will. I may be asking closer to the time. What are you thinking on Canelo Smith, Sean? Canelo points uh, something like one one six, one one two. Paul. Ooh, uh, can, can I give more than one answer? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So if, if, if I've got to give the one which I'm down to bookies, and I've, I've only got one bet, then. To be honest, I'd probably, not just because Sean's has said it, I'd probably mirror what Sean said. It's not going to be a landslide. But um, options options two and three exist. Uh, Canelo to win by um, by stoppage between 9 to 12. That's, um, that's, that's my other thoughts. Um, not saying that because, like, you know, like Kovalev uh, wearing it down because Smith's a completely different animal. Kovalev was gassed to hell. Um, Smith has got a... A fantastic tank. It's more a case of he's very clever with his little lean backs and leading you into traps. And um, and, uh, and and Smith, uh, you know, he's got a big heart and he's going to want to try and put on a performance. So he might step in there and get caught by a little something. But again, you know, Joe Gallick is a, a wily old trainer, so he's probably preparing him for that. Who knows? But the, the other one um, is that um, is that Smith catches him and, and stops him. And that's worth putting a five pound bet on or a pound bet on. Because um, mm. I bet you're going to get great odds there of of any a stoppage of any round there. If you put one one pound for each uh, each each round. I'm sure that you know you, you'd probably get anywhere between sort of ten quid upwards in terms of return there. And, uh, and I genuinely believe he's got he's got the power to to stop anyone at 168. So uh, let's see. But if uh, money depending on it, I'm, I'm going to back up Sean and say around 116, 112. That's a very good prediction. I think. Um... People need to as well look at the fact that Smith himself, forget about the, the height and the reach and the jab. When he catches you, no matter if you're if you're a half shot George Groves or not, he is gonna do damage. Because people were saying last night with Smith's frame, he's gonna be getting pounded on the ribs, you know, at throughout the fight. Well, what if the reverse happens? What if Smith starts catching Canelo downstairs? He's, he's a very good body it. puncher. Callum you know, Smith. he's, he's going to yeah, he's a very good body puncher, and he he will feel it. So I, I just think I think 
in this day and age with the internet and social media, it's very easy just to dismiss a British fighter who's fighting one of the best guys because that's what we do. Um, I think it would be much better if we actually examined what Callum can do well rather than just thinking after he fought Ryder, you'll get blasted out. If he starts landing shots to the ribs against Canelo and starts getting him on the inside especially, it will be a long night for the Mexican. But it's all ifs, buts and maybes. That's yeah. it. That is it. That. And I imagine I, I've got this feeling that, Paul, you're one of those guys that on fight week, you change predictions like the wind, don't you? <laughs> Tell the truth. You, you, I, you... I, I, look, I look at the, um, you know, I, I start to look at the, uh, the way they're, uh, they're training. And maybe just sometimes, you know, you look at the, the, the fighter's face, you can see if they're sort of uh, maybe a little bit plump or they're starting to shrink. And I start to make sort of guesses there in terms of whether or not they're... Um, They've been sort of good in training and I'm behaving themselves, you know. So, but as we said before, and as Sean said, and I said, um, I think Callum's going to be in the absolute most immaculate yeah. shape of his life coming in here. And uh, and like 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 Sean said as well, you know, uh, whilst Canelo's trying to go and make for the body shots, um, Smith might be watching a few of the uh, a, a few rounds of the Mayweather Canelo fight, where when Canelo was trying to come in, um, Mayweather was using the uppercut. As, as Canelo was uh, dipping down and then stepping off to the side. And that would be a, a great honey punch for Smith because all he has to do is a, a quick quick snap, move to the left or right, and, uh, and he's in his space again. You know, I think what Smith needs to be doing is um, is owning the centre of the ring. He's a big lad and um, you know he, he doesn't want to be um, letting Canelo get in because he, he, he can bully very easily and he's got those very strong legs where he can, so once he's in, it's, it's tough to sort of get him off. But um, if he can own the centre of the ring um, behind the jab, and uh, and every time he does come forward, keep throwing something. I think that's going to be the secret to to Callum is if he can suffocate him with volumes, yeah. and yeah. Um, if he can do that, um, there's a, there's a possibility that Canelo might get frustrated again using the uh, the example of um, of Mayweather there because when he was frustrated against Mayweather, he came out swinging, and that was yeah. perfect for Mayweather. All he did was pick him off all night. Yeah, and if 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 you know the scenario you just described there, Paul, if they if Smith decides to punch with Canelo and he clips him, he could hurt Canelo. I, I think what you say is right as well. I think he does have to take ring centre Smith. Um, you talk about the Mayweather fight. That's exactly what Floyd did that night. He, he walked him down, you know, a welterweight in the ring. I think he weighed 146 on, on the night and he walked Canelo down and Canelo didn't know what to do. I think Canelo's much better boxing going back now. I think he's much better at that now. I think the Floyd fight was probably the best, the, probably the best learning curve of his career. But he can do it now, Canelo boxing going back. But I think Smith has to take ring center and has to try and walk Canelo down because if he lets, if he lets Canelo dictate pace and yeah. take ring center, he'll get stopped. I think. Yeah, uh, I think that's a really valid point of um, trying to walk him down. It's doing something which Canelo is not expecting. And uh, and, and again, another example of the uh, the, the person you wouldn't think walk, doing the walking down that worked really well was when Andre Ward went in against uh, Carl Crotch. Carl Crotch threw out the build-up saying all he's going to do is get on his bicycle and he's going to, you know, bop, bop, bop and move around. No, nope. he went to him in the middle of the ring, traded, and Crotch was punching against a ghost, uh, you know, his little, his little lean backs with the shoulder and everything else. Andre Ward had him every single round. Carl Froch was not prepared that way. He, he prepared for set up, you know, with the jab, throw the right hand, 
get those body shots going. It didn't allow him enough space to do that. He, he stood in close and um, and it worked perfectly. So, yeah, I mean, listen, we all want Smith to win. That's an absolute given. And if he was to do with knockout, um, I mean, you know, they need to start building statues, not statues singular. They need to start building statues of Callum <laughs> Smith. I think for every city with throughout the UK, I think that would be a very reasonable request. <laughs> that's, that's absolutely fair one small thing it looks like that this fight is going to be aired on DAZN over here yeah. on mm-hmm. the app mm-hmm. like two quid a month is that right Sean something yeah, like that it's it's one pound 99 um, for a month but I've built well I know that I, that is an introductory offer right so how long that lasts I don't know if it'll be three months one month I don't know and then it'll obviously shoot up in price to something that you would pay for like Netflix or Amazon yeah. or something like I, that I, I don't know um, I think it's about 80 quid a year uh, like 100 bucks a year yeah, um, yeah. For the design. to be honest I will absolutely do that that you know I, I have I've given myself a million different reasons why I need to do it um you suddenly think, yeah, you could usually be thinking 80 quid, okay, well, I could do that for this. No, me, I came up with reasons very fast as to why I need to do it. And I started thinking, okay, 80 quid. Well, think about it. It's like, you know, a couple of hoodies. You don't buy a couple of hoodies. Or the next thing I'd say, well, you know, don't have, don't go out and buy this and the other. Um, you know, don't drive around so much. I was coming out with ideas left, right and center. The zone, the second it comes out, early December, bang. Uh, I'm probably going to be in their top five people to sign up. I'll be signing. I'll I'll be like throwing my credit card at the um at the at the screen. I'm in definitely. Yeah, with no like poor no, you won't be able to buy any British vintage boxing stuff for a month. Then uh, <laughs> poor Zen yeah, are going to yeah. be out there shaking the tin, dancing for change. <laughs> I'll, I'll, be, I'll be walking around and my wife runs, mate. It's going to get cold, but I'm willing to do it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I think. But I think if you're Adam Smith at Sky Sports, I, I think Sky will always be the big, they'll always be the big hitters. I, yeah, I think I, I think you've got the Sky. So I think having Premier League football, yeah, I think it ties into boxing, the boxing audience so much. And I think Sky Sports will always be the big cheeses because they have Premier As long as they have Premier League football, they yeah. will be the big cheeses. Yeah. But if you're Adam Smith and you see DAZN's coming over here and they're probably going to get the Canelo fight, you got to be a bit fucked off, Sean? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think this will be a shock to him. I mean... No, it's I been mean, coming. Um, it's been coming. And I think there was a photo of the DAZN headquarters that circled around online months ago. Um, I mean, he will have known about this for... A long long time but it'll still hurt um but landscape as they say has changed uh, we now have more options um sky don't have it all to themselves you know bt premier sports now as well um still got box nation the zone um like channel five, channel ITV, five showed, yeah. uh, ultimate boxer yeah um so yeah it's just his phrase is, we can't have every sweetie in the jar, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, damn straight, because times have changed, and that's just the way that it's going to be. And when that kind of thing happens, you, okay, you can be a bit cheesed off, but you just got to adapt and move on. Um, and 
improve what you're offering. Um, how they do that, that's up to them, but you can't just stand still. Um, you've just got to accept it, move on, and compete with your competitors and ultimately beat them. Absolutely. I think, you know, you don't want a monopoly. Um, no, no. But at the same time, you don't want to be paying for six, seven different products. No, no, no. That gives you the same thing at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. We want to watch boxing, but I, like you've just said there, Sean, we have to pay Sky, BT, Pre- Premier Sports. I don't know if anyone pays for that. But, you know, and then Channel 5 and whatever, whatever, whatever. So it's a lot, a lot to pay for. Um, talking of Premier Sports, we did have a question, uh, Paul, if you can help answer it. Do you think we will ever see Terence Crawford hit his potential? So we've covered we've already covered the the Brook fight on Sunday, so I don't want to talk too much about that. Long term for Crawford, do you think he ever meets the potential that we all believe that he has? I, th- I think the answer to that question is Errol Spence Jr. Um, if he has that fight, that's the defining one that everyone wants to know. Um, and uh, again, you know, we we can't assume that he's going to walk through um, Danny Garcia. Uh, you know, there's a few little theories at the moment that something might have been taken out of Errol Spence in that car accident he had. And, um, you know, mentally, physically, um, is he fully sort of bouncing back? And um, uh, Garcia is is known as a, as a quick start fighter. And if he goes in there and tries to sort of swarm Errol, and for whatever reason, Errol just has a bit of a bad moment, then that's it. So what we need is we need Errol Spence Jr. to absolutely spank um, Garcia and come out of that glowing. And then Terence Crawford takes him on. And um, and I think that sticks Terence nicely, at, for me, pound for pound, uh, number one. Um, I, I think Terence Crawford has matured fantastically as a fighter. People forget going back. I mean, you know, he, he fought against Ricky Burns um, sort of, you know, years and years ago. And let's, let's remember, Ricky Burns, a fantastic fighter. You know, people just forget about this man. Scotland's only ever three-weight world champion, apart from being an absolutely stellar man, an absolutely lovely guy, but a very, very good fighter. Do you remember when he fought against Kevin Mitchell? And, that, you know, Kevin was 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 bloody good at that point. And, um, you know, he stopped him in, what, four rounds. Um, so Terence Crawford fought against him. And, um, you know, so firstly, that's Terence still sort of climbing up the ranks. Since then, my goodness, I mean, it, what an absolute pleasure to see him. He, he computes information every few seconds and the way he's able to read what the fire in front of him is doing and react to it is phenomenal. What I love about him as well is the um, he, he can sometimes throw three or four little dummies before actually landing a punch. But he's already worked out in his head those dummies he's going to do. And, you know, it's almost as if he's in the gym sort of like doing nothing but throwing dummy punches before he's going to land one um, in mass. You know, that four, five, six punch routines with literally the intention of, of landing one. I think it's a fantastic fight to look at. He's silky smooth. Um, he's always extremely polite. Um, the Spence fight for me is what will make him great. And then from there on, it depends. I mean, it, there's some there's some serious young bloods coming through at the moment. And uh, for me, and it's not a case if you heard it first because it's not going to be news to anyone. But I, I, I said it about two years ago. As Virgil Ortiz Jr. is going to become a multi-weight champion, yeah. and um, at some point, if Virgil Ortiz Jr. was to fight against Terence Crawford, that could be Terence's sort of turning point. Um, so uh, yeah, but for the moment, I think beat Terrell Spence Jr. He 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 becomes a ring pound for pound number one, possibly. Um, 
that that for me that that's the defining moment. Yeah. What do you think, Sean? What do you think of Crawford, kind of his career going forward? He's 33. Yeah. His best win is Postol. Gamble, maybe. maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um. That's the thing is that we're talking about someone who's a pound for pound star, but we don't know what his best win is. But that's not because of who's of this of the stellar standard of opponent he's fought. It's just that everyone he's fought has either has either been okay or or good. But you, I wouldn't say that he's fought anyone that is an outstanding opponent where 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 you didn't know who was going to win that night. But I will bat for Team Crawford every day. I've been a massive fan of his for a long time. And what's quite funny is I remember one of his fights on Box Nation. It was either against Andre Klimov or a guy called Sanabria. And it was an, it was an awful fight, but he won. And I can remember, I think it was Steve Lillis, you know, saying that he stunk the place out, I think. It was just an awful, awful fight. And it gave no indication that he was ever going to become who he did. Mm. And now we're talking about him as being one of the most entertaining fighters to watch once he gets going. And that's it, is, is that people speak about him being a slow starter. Mm. I actually think that works in his favour. Because when you when you look at his fights, when he does make slow starts, I think it gives his opponent self belief that they perhaps didn't have before the fight, and they're almost getting lulled into a false sense of security. And then Crawford strikes when he when he officially warms up, and you, and you saw that on Sunday against Brook. Brook did well for the first two rounds. Jab was going well. Um, Okay, and then Crawford just struck. You know that was it, that, and that's all it takes for a great fighter to do. Yeah. I think he's fantastic. I think he's the complete package. I I, I can't find a, a one way is that these days he does like to fight. Yeah, you know that he he sometimes does ignore his defense, and he's got away with it so far because of who he's fought. But if he against a prime Errol Spence who has suffered no repercussions from this car accident, he will need to be on his game because Spence is a big dude. He's got great fundamentals. He packs power. You know, he can answer everything that Crawford can throw at him. Mm. And interestingly, is if Crawford, uh, if Spence does a job on Garcia, that will trump anything that Crawford has. Because I don't think Crawford's got a win that would match a statement win from Spence over Mike Garcia. Yeah. Crawford's contract with Top Rank expires, is it next October, I think? Yes. Yes, yeah. next October, yeah. So we're talking 11 months. Yeah. And I don't know what's going to happen in that time, whether he can get his way out of it if it ends up in court, because recent quotes and sound bites are starting to um, present a potential messy situation because Bob Arum's been saying some not too flattering things about Crawford and the money he's had to pay out. And it's looking like a messy end, to be honest. Yeah. 
Paul, do you think there's a world where Bob Arum let's just let's Crawford go? Yeah. Um, because it is costing him the earth. Not not without a fight, no. Um, you know, you, you look at someone there who's been Christ. Uh, you know, I, I heard rumours that he was uh, he was ringside when John L. Sullivan won the um won the title. <laughs> uh, so he's been there and seen everything. But uh, yeah, I. It, he's in the business and we're not talking show business. We're talking the money business here. And uh, he will always want to try to make sure that he has a secure investment. And, uh, and Terence Crawford is obviously, you know, a bit of a honeypot. So um, yeah, it's, it, it, it's, that's the sad part of, uh, of boxing, to be honest, which is that um, a lot of things get hinged on, um, on the purses, etc. And um, you now coming back to Sean's sort of favorite fight before of, uh, of Hagler Hearns, uh, yeah, I'm sure there was some good money flying around there. But those two, their characters at that age, if someone had said to them, listen, it's going to be at the back of um, Morrison's car park in, uh, in, in Greenford. It's just going to, going to be at three in the morning. You're up for it. They'd have been down with it. And that's it. There would have been no sort of ifs or buts, you know. So, But these days, unfortunately, fights are not being made that fast due to the fact that it's money. And I understand that. I understand that, which, which is a shame. But yeah, uh, Bob Arum... Is a massive hurdle, a massive hurdle. Um, more than, unfortunately, you can just sort of do a regular skip and jump over. So, um, yeah, that's Bob Arum. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? I think, you know, either, you know, I think for me, I think Crawford needs to see out his 11 months and 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 take it on his own, basically. You know, when I, I you know, he has to look at the. You know, I think the previous, the generation of Mayweather and Pacquiao get a kind of a bad rap, particularly Mayweather. I think people look at him as like, oh, people, everyone protects their own now because of Mayweather, really. And I think a lot of people feel that way. But I think what Mayweather did was, and Ray Leonard before him, Lennox Lewis before him, well, in, in between them, Ray Leonard is the best is the best example here of doing it on your own and not relying on, on Bob Arum. And I think he does need to leave and be his own man and... And he's got a name now, Crawford, and go and make the fight with Errol Spence. Um, and I think it actually it's really smart on PBC's part that they're putting in Spence with Danny Garcia. Because if Spence wins and he wins well, mm. he's back. No problem. Yep. No issue. But if Danny Garcia beats him, it stays in house. They're, they're not they're not handing over the crown to some fucking random they're handing yeah. over the crown to one of their guys, one of their guys yeah. it's really smart on pbc's part they're, they're, they're gonna they're gonna see what spencer's has got left and it's a, a really really fascinating matchup yeah um, so i'm really looking forward to that one as well i think that's december 5th that one yes um we were asked another question um conscious of time but we've got we've got a minute we're fine um what happens first crawford spence or yard buatsi Paul. <laughs> Ooh, um, I'd like either, to be honest. I, I interviewed Joshua um, about two months ago, uh-huh. and um, I, I won't say the publication I've done it for because it, it, it will be out um, in around sort of January. But the editor came back to me and he said, "He said, was that interview done on email?" And I said, "No, I said it was done on the phone." He went, "Well." He said, Joshua Boazzi is one of the most, is one of the best spoken guys. And I went, well, if he hadn't have done boxing, I said he would have become an accountant with the degree he had. I said, selfishly, I'm, I'm happy that 
I'm, you know, I'm selfishly happy that he decided to, to pursue boxing. So, um, Yard Buatsi needs to happen because um, it's another great domestic uh, dust up on the lines of um, Daniel Dubois and, um, and and Joe Joyce. Um, Buatsi has the uh, the ability to sort of work his way through British, European, and uh, and world titles w- w- without a doubt. His last fight was certainly a, a good test for him against a very sturdy opponent. Um, Spence Crawford, I fear, will not happen until possibly even the back end of next year, whether that be through politics. And it could even be that Crawford sort of surfs out the rest of his time with um, with Aram, <coughs> excuse me, simply because he realised, he, he probably realises already that that's a super fight waiting to happen. And by sort of stepping outside of that contract, doing it himself, managing himself, he can earn a shitload more cash on his own. Um, Obviously, I'd like to see it happen uh, now. I'd like to see it happen before even, you know, a Spence fight, so Garcia. But, um, yeah, either one. Don't mind whichever one happens first. Realistically, which one will happen first? Buatsi against against Yard. Um, They're both great fights. Four very good fighters. Um, Let's not be harsh on Yard because he got stopped by Kovalev. A very durable fighter, very experienced fighter. And he wobbled um, Kovalev. Um, there's been a lot of great comments from various other fighters after Buatzi even said in the interview I did with him, he says, you know, he was unlucky that night. I interviewed Arthur Butterbeef at the beginning of this year and he said Yard did well. It was just um, uh, Kovalev was too experienced. Um, and that's it. Yard lives in the gym, lies in the camp, whatever. But he really does live in the gym and he loves boxing, as does Joshua Buatzi. Two totally different personalities. Um, lovely, lovely guys. Uh, don't speak out of turn. Um, that's another one. You know, I, I would actually do a, a paper per view for. I think it's worthy of that, as opposed to a lot of the crap that's out there at the moment currently on sort of pay per view. Um, Spence Crawford, yeah, all day long. I will lap that up like bread with gravy. What word do you think happens first, Sean? Depends on the egos of everyone involved. Um... And it depends on perhaps who loses next. I mean, obviously, Yard has got that loss, but he still brings a lot to, as they say, the table. What happens first? Um, It's a coin flip. Um, If I was going to pick, I would probably say Yard-Buatzi happens, but I would be happy if Yard-Buatzi didn't happen and Crawford-Spence did. Crawford, Crawford Spence is the type of fight that boxing needs, especially on the on the world scene. I mean, we see UFC and Dana White, both soft boxing's doing. Yarnatsi won't do much for the sport except in Britain, whereas Spence Crawford will. Um, so what will happen first? I think it'll be Yarnatsi. But realistically, I can't see either happening until some things change, like contracts expire, a fighter gets beat, or some egos settle down um, and forget um, about who they are, take their head out of their arse, and remember what they're actually doing this for. Um, I don't think Yard Buati has to happen. Um, if it if it don't happen, I'm okay with that. Um, 
I think they're two good guys, two good fighters. I think Bruati showed in his last fight there's work to do. Mm. If I was Yard's team, I would be making an offer now to get that fight made because the time, I think, for Yard to get a win perhaps would be now. Um, Crawford Spence we spoke about. Um, but as is the case with boxing all the time, don't be shocked if neither ever happens. Yeah. I, Sorry I, to be so so negative. No, uh, but, no. But it's hard not to be when you've been hit with so many disappointments over the years. Yeah. Um, Crawford Spence needs to happen. Um, will it happen? Yes. When Crawford leaves top rank and inevitably joins PBC, he's not joining Eddie Hearn, no matter what Hearn thinks. No matter it makes what. Makes no sense. No, it makes no sense because he because he because he just goes sideways if he ends up with her in the zone. Um, the contract needs to expire. Crawford needs to jump ship to PBC straight away, and before the contract does expire, get that fight tied up so that as soon as he moves, that's his next fight. Yeah, absolutely. So here's a here's a curveball to throw in there straight off from what Sean's saying. Don't be surprised if uh, Terence Crawford suddenly um, has involvement with MTK. And I know that would have sounded crazy a year ago, but when they suddenly signed up Virgil Ortiz Jr., I was like, okay, it is global. They're taking on the big names. Don't get me wrong, and I already had Tyson Fury, etc., but from this sort of like side of the pond. But to get those sort of names signed up at the moment, when Terence is looking around thinking, I'm trying to look for a deal, MTK are very reasonable negotiators. Um, you never know. I mean, it'd be interesting somewhere along the line to to maybe sort of speak to some of these guys who self-manage, the likes of George Groves. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, he did very well for himself, you know, sort of financially. And uh, obviously, kind of like a lot of fighters, had to take quite a few sort of uh, financial punches in the gut before sort of making that decision for himself. But it worked out well. You almost wonder if someone like that should be holding like a masterclass of up-and-coming fighters <laughs> to say, if you want to become self-managed, this is how I've done it. It might not work for you, but hey, give it a crack. I think you're right. You know, I think there's something in there. And I remember George saying, I know how to do an Excel spreadsheet. I know I know my way around a computer. I don't need someone to do it for me. And it was just <laughs> after he'd split with Adam Booth and he'd, he was able to give Adam Booth 40% of his money for his next two fights. I was like, ridiculous. It was makes me sick the amount of money the managers get paid from fighters really because it's like you know it's such a short career and it can end literally with a punch yep. and it's it's you know it, it always upsets me when you see you see fighters having to pay out so much um we'll wrap it up there um but if you don't mind uh, i'd love to have you both on again yep. um but i'd like to set you some homework if you don't mind <laughs> <laughs> whoa 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 I never did well at school. Homework he was was like a instant divorce. It might be fun. It might be fun. It bloody better not be science or French. <laughs> so on the last podcast, on the last podcast we did on Sunday, it was mentioned that around on boxing Twitter, some people had said about picking a Ryder Cup team for oh. boxers. Right. So the way I kind of think of it is the classic eight divisions. Yeah. One side picks Europe and the other side picks the US. Okay. And then the next time you guys come on, Paul, do you want to have Europe? Yeah, no, that sounds good. And Sean, you have the US. Classic right. eight divisions, heavyweight, light, heavy, middle, etc. And don't Active tell each other. You mean, or just anybody? 
anyone in history. Anyone in history, right. Okay. Doesn't have to be active. Right. Anyone in history. Yeah, they're alive. Classic eight divisions, uh, any fighter, heavyweight down, and then next time you're on, we compare and we score. Yeah, yeah cool. I'm up with that. Fine, my mate. And they can be, and they can be, they, they can be dead or alive. Dead or alive. Yeah. 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 No problem at all. Dead or alive, active, inactive, whatever. Sure. Anyone in history. Okay. You're the US. Paul's, Paul's Europe, and I'll be the deciding vote on who wins. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, chaps. No problem. Thanks for your time. All right. Good to be on with, uh, with the both of you, and I uh, look Thank forward to work. the next one. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Easy work for me. Easy work for me <laughs> listening to you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on, Carl. Appreciate it. Thanks, Carl. Sports Social Podcast Network.